Oh, that glare is something. Glare? You got a glare? Can't even see what's on our place. Oh, you're right. What if I turn off just a few of them? Yeah. We've got treats that we want to show off here. Welcome to Coffee Talk. Um, we've got a special edition here with Polish treats. That's a little bit better, but not a whole lot. Not better. a ton of bit better. Yeah. For those of you at home, we picked up some treats. They're delicious. And Father Paul, what do you have here? What is this? This is called a babka. And actually, I just got this in the mail today. My my dad made it. So it's a traditional um, babka. And what it is, it's a, a yeast-risen uh, sweet bread that's traditional for Easter and also for Christmas time. So generally, it's a sweet bread with some white raisins in it. It's really delicious. Looks delicious. So I haven't even tried it yet. So I know that mom and dad are probably not watching right now, but they will be watching later. So you'll get to see my uh, my authentic reaction and uh, my review. Yes. <laughs> yes. Today we're going to be talking about Dingus Day and Poland and all those types of things because yesterday was Dingus Day. Mm -hmm. um, it's a big traditional holiday here in Buffalo. Oh, yeah. uh, it's a Polish holiday um, that has its roots back in Poland, but it's not a big deal anywhere else. It's not even that big of a deal in Poland, from what I understand. It's not as big of a deal in Poland as it is here in Buffalo, actually. Mm. Mm -hmm. So this is your number one stop for Dingus Day here in Buffalo. So, <laughs> so uh, for those who don't know what uh, Schmingus Dingus is, Dingus Day, uh, generally it's it's the Easter Monday, the Monday following Easter Sunday, and the tradition is that um, the young gentlemen get to pretty much dump water on the young ladies, and the young ladies chase the young men with uh, pussy willows and kind of. And hit them with it. So it's it's a it's a fun tradition. It's very little silly but fun. My dad has shared some stories about when he was growing up in Poland, mm. about waiting up on the balconies with buckets of water for the young ladies to come on down, and he and my uncle would just <laughs> drench them. <laughs> my my grandma, she's Polish. She was second generation Pole, and. She would always talk about Dingus Day, right? She would talk about duck blood soup, and she would mm -hmm. talk about you know, kishka and all this stuff. And um, I was never into it. Never into it. Kind of just like duck blood soup lost me on the whole Polish thing. But being raised Polish, um, it was almost kind of like a joke. You know, everyone would just, there was nothing good about being Polish, as mm -hmm. I remember growing up. You know, because there's always the jokes, you know, I mean, there's always the jokes about the Polacks. Right? It's like, how many Polacks does it take to screw in a light bulb, you know? And I would hear that all the time, right? And I was like, why do I, I don't want to be Polish, you know? Like, and then you think of like historically, World War II, the Poles just got wiped up, you know, and then Russians had their way with them afterwards, you know? It was just nothing really to be proud of. Um, but it wasn't until maybe five, eight years ago that I actually started, eh, maybe like eight years ago, yeah, that I started embracing my Polish heritage more, 
because um, I started just learning more about it as opposed to just hearing the backhands from yeah. other people. I learned more about the Polish history and culture and started really appreciating the food a lot more um, and then started going to Dingus Day stuff, which I really appreciated because, you know, at the time, being a single guy going out polka dancing for Dingus Day, there's not too many guys out there doing it, so you can really clean up the dance floor. <laughs> nice. Uh, which, you know, I did it at the time. This was pre-Ani. Pre-Ani. But then after Ani came onto the scene, Ani loves to dance, you know. And so polka dancing was just a lot of fun to do with her, you know, because she wants to get out there and move. And so we did. We would, each thing day, we would be out there just mopping up. You know, we would just... Go the whole night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then as the kids arrived on the scene, that has made things a lot more fun because, you know, we had Izzy and then she would be out there. We took her out and Wyatt last year uh, for his first time being out there on the dance floor. And it was just a lot of fun with the family. And we were just kind of having a good time dancing. There's a lot of places to do it, but we hit up the morning. Um, so it, it's a good time. It's a good time. How have you guys celebrated Dingus Day? Honestly, within our family, Dingus Day wasn't huge in our household. Um, we generally, it's an extension of Easter, so we're we're eating all the traditional Polish foods and and continuing to eat the świątka. The świątka is the what, the Easter basket that you bless on Holy Saturday. And obviously, you can't finish it all in one day. And so we work through it the entire week. Um, and then and then we'll splash each other with water, pretty much. The, you know, surprise each other with a little uh, spritz of the, you know, the whatever it's called, the, the water sprayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how we've kind of celebrated Schmingus Dingus. It's, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. You know, I'm going to have to start really incorporating that into... Or tradition. I gotta just get a bucket of water and just get on you with it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never gone I... <laughs> that extreme with it before. <laughs> the most I did, um, so of course, Michael, my brother, is here. We weren't able to be home. We're kind of stranded. Uh, so we were here, and as I was cleaning the dishes, I just cupped my hands in water right in his face. Happy Schmingus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was my story yesterday. <laughs> Did you appreciate it? Um, he, he didn't know what happened just yet. And I'm like, it's Dingus Day. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'm not going to remember this for next year, but I'm going to tuck it away. Ani, if you're watching right now, I'm sorry for the future. Oh, but it's, it's coming. coming. It's coming. <laughs> So what do you say we take a couple of nibbles here? Okay. This, is, this isn't just coffee talk. This is coffee and treat talk today. Coffee and treat. Yeah. Hey, so for those of you guys who are tuned in here, if you have questions, you got questions about Dingus Day or Polish stuff, uh, or really anything, fire it away. That's what the chat's there for. Love to hear from you. See who's on. And uh, just want to say, hey. Um so yeah, I'm going to break in here to a little bit of this, and we're going to give this a little try without smacking my lips too much because mm. 
That's good. That's good. Mm. Guys, you're missing out. It's light. It's fluffy. Mm-hmm. Wow. It tastes so Polish. <laughs> you can taste the raisins in it. Mm-hmm. I'm tasting a little orange here, too. We're doing some ASMR. Mm. Like that. <laughs> Pinky's up. So, where can we find recipes like this? What are you all eating? Oh, hey, Allie. How do you say that again? This is a babka, Polish babka. My dad made it. It's a yeast-risen sweet bread that's traditional for Easter as well as for Christmas. It has some raisins in there, just a bit of sweetness. Actually, if you laver it, if you spread some butter on it, it's amazing. Mm. No butter at the moment. So you're Polish. Mm -hmm. Your father came from Poland, right? Yes. What brought him here? Mm. So my dad. Okay, dad, if I'm wrong with any of this information, you can probably correct me later. But my dad grew up in the communist uh, run Poland. So my dad would share stories about, um, you know, there were uh, little uprisings in right where he was. He, he lived in um, the suburb of Kraków. Mm. So he was in Nova Huta, which means new city. And that was designed to be the communist paradise, you know, with, with no church at all. And so these long, big apartment buildings and uh, with parks in between them and, and, it was fairly close to the steel mills. So that's actually where my grandfather worked in the steel mill near Krakow. And so my dad, first it was actually my aunt who came to the Buffalo area. And then my, at the time there, you couldn't fly from Poland to the United States, of course, because Russia and the United States were at odds. And so my dad moved to Austria with my uncle and then worked in Austria in a restaurant, got their working papers and everything. And then from there, they took the Reagan Express, which Ronald, President Ronald Reagan allowed for refugees to come to the United States with refugee status. And so that's what my dad and my uncle did. My dad moved to the Buffalo area. Of course, there's a, a large... Polish population in Buffalo. And so my, my dad made himself home here and uh, went to UB, studied electrical engineering, got his doctorate. And, and uh, so that's my dad's story, really. He has but, his doctorate? Mm -hmm. Wow. Doctorate in electrical engineering, yeah. Yeah, and he came to the United States with no English. Didn't know, he probably only knew basics. He had to learn English and then did everything that he could to, to be where he is right now. Um, cool story, too. My dad was confirmed by, at the time, Archbishop Wojtyła, who became Pope now, St. John Paul II. Really? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. So my dad's a walking third-class relic. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> he hasn't washed his forehead since. <laughs> of course, <laughs> he didn't know that he was going to become a pope someday, but that's still really cool. Wow. That is really cool. My, my great-grandparents came here from Poland uh, probably a generation before yours came over. Um, during World War One, Poland was already under Russia control. And the the Russians were going door to door conscripting Poles into the army. And as the story is told, the Russians were coming block by block, and people were trying to get out, um, just trying to get away from the conscription. So my great grandparents were part of that, and so they just they fled and left everything behind. Wow! And kind of that story of coming to America with nothing—that's exactly what they did. They hopped on a boat, came here to America, settled here, large Polish community in Buffalo, and uh, and they just laid down roots, just left it all behind. And they, their kids knew Polish, but they didn't teach any generation after that. Um, I think it was just household talk. They wouldn't go out and talk it. It was just household talk. It was Polish. Yeah. And... Um, I don't know if there was a, a shame in it, but there was a, a patriotism of acquiring your new land. Yeah. You know, you left the old for the new, and their their children will, will be Americans and not Polish or not Poles. You know? mm-hmm. um, so I think, I think that's exactly it. Is that there were you know so many immigrants, and it was not only uh, the Polish, but Italian, Irish, well, Irish already speak English. But when they when they came over, it was a sense of you know what, we came here because America is the land of dreams where your dreams can come true, and so you you take on that new language. Um, but as you can see in Buffalo too, um, the east side was entirely Polish, entire blocks, and you know every single block there was a different Polish church. So they did hold on to their nationality and their traditions and customs in a beautiful way too. Um, but there was that sense of, you know, our, our children are going to learn English and so that they can assimilate into the American culture better so that, you know, better life. Yeah, and it's interesting being here in Buffalo because you go back down into the old part of town, you know, mm-hmm. the east side, and it's only a shadow of the, the Polish community that was once there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just decades of flight, I guess, you know, people kind of moving out to the burbs. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I guess, it took a toll on that community over there. But Easter time comes around, and the Broadway market still screams of all of that tradition. It just lights up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but even some of those churches, I mean, they're absolutely beautiful. St. Stan's, oh my gosh, it's gorgeous down there. Mm-hmm. But there's no real community that's continuing to go there. So it's really curious to see how that's going to shape up into the future. Because that, that's a gem you can't get rid of. Yeah. But if you don't these have are, people down there, you know, going to that church, then... These are you... architectural masterpieces when you think of it. Um, St. Stan's is the very first Polish parish of Buffalo. And uh, trying to remember the name of the the first Polish pastor there that really brought together the Polish community. 
And then Corpus Christi was at first run by the conventual Franciscans. And that was the Franciscan parish. And that's the parish that actually my family has gone to very faithfully. Mm. And even when I was younger, we would go there for Sunday masses so we could serve and we could go to Polish mass and things like that. So it was really beautiful. Right now, Corpus Christi is run by the Pauline Fathers. The Pauline, the same Pauline Fathers that um, are the monks that are at Częstochowa, where Our Lady of Częstochowa is. So that's why there's that beautiful uh, icon of Our Lady of Częstochowa over to the right. Um, what else? Oh, and I want to St. Casimir's too, which is um, St. Casimir's beautiful, beautiful church. And that church was entirely built during the Great Depression. And so the, the Polish families in that area were giving their nickels and dimes in order to build this magnificent church that has, um, the, even the outside of the church is beautiful. It's, it has a dome and on the inside, entirely mosaic tile. Incredible. Wow. That during a time of depression, they were able to give to the church and to build the church there. And St. Casimir, too, also has some history with John Paul II, because when John Paul II was Cardinal Wojtyła, he came to visit Buffalo, and he stayed at St. Casimir's, Święty Kazimierz. And uh, so, actually, um, Father Czesław Krysa is there, and then he actually has part of the rectory where Pope John Paul II stayed all kind of partitioned off. And... Like he he has it looks like a museum like different little um, the history of John Paul II and then how he stayed there it's really cool. Wow. That's amazing. And these are stories that aren't really told a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not something that's just common knowledge. These are things that are are good to be passing on and shared. And actually, I'm glad we're kind of recording here, um, learning about. Uh, Teresa says, I am currently learning about immigration in history class. It is all very interesting. It really is interesting. And the different reasons why immigration happened. Like, Poland had a series of three different eras of immigration to the United States. And um, the, the first one was really just so that they could get to the new land. The very first Polish settlement ever was in Texas. And so, really? yeah, Panna Maria. And they settled there, and then it was not until later, during the Panna Maria was, was like late 1800s, and then the more permanent Pol Polish settlements in the Northeast happened a little bit later in the early 1900s, normally, you know, escaping oppression. And I feel like I have to defend Poland because really Poland is very flat, except for the very southern part. And it's in the middle of Europe. And so it's very easy to attack. It's very easy to conquer. And like during, uh, um, before World War II, Germany and Russia already made, made a pact that they would partition Poland. And so just as, you know, the, the Germans were coming on, the Nazis were coming on one side, um, the, the Polish people were escaping east and then they encountered the Russians who came to the other side. And so, um, and there are a lot of different legends, such as the, the Polish cavalry ch charging the panzers. That never really happened. 
um, but that was an English, that was an, uh, what do you call it, an English story that they made up about the Polish and about how easily they were able to be defeated. And that's actually not true, that they charged the panzers. In fact, the Nazis you had cal cal cavalry as well. And so, um, so I guess I, I have this natural desire to say, you know, Poland has this, you know, fierce strength within them. And uh, even during the, during the invasion of Poland during World War II, there was this one place in northern Poland, Triedry-Westerplatz, I believe. Maybe. But they were able to hold the Nazis off for weeks. But that story is never shared either. I, you know, I remember being over in Poland. In 2016, we were in Poland for World Youth Day. Mm -hmm. And that, that was an awesome experience. This might be a good segue into that. But um, I remember learning so much about Polish heritage, history, culture, all of that from being over there. And um, being in Warsaw, I remember hearing about the, the Battle of Warsaw and how the, the Poles did not give up. Uh, they never surrendered. They, they had all the tunnels. And Warsaw was just obliterated. I was surprised to see how fresh and new everything looked over in Warsaw because the architecture was beautiful. It was pristine. It looked very fresh and new. Um, but it had an old style to it. I, I didn't understand why that was until I heard somebody talking about it and sharing the history of it where Warsaw was totally flat. And that's unbelievable. But they... they they rebuilt it as it was, but just using newer things, you know, just kind of refreshing it. Right. And I, I find that to be incredible, but um, especially the stories of heroism that came from the Battle of Warsaw, where the Poles went underground and the Nazis never broke through, uh, they never surrendered, yeah. um, which was awesome. I think at some point they kind of dispersed to other areas of the war from there, the war fighters that were there, but they never surrendered, um, which I here I'm thinking, well, the Poles just rolled over. You know, I always kind of remember that, you know, because you always see World War II clips of, you know, you've got the uh, the Luftwaffe coming in, you know, and the, the Panzers just steamrolling across, and you just see Poland burning, and then a cavalry charge. <laughs> you know, yeah. on, on old flip flicks about uh, Poland in World War II, and then it moves on, right? Just a quick little, <laughs> Poland was done, and... World War II begins, you know, continues on. So um, I didn't understand that until being there hearing about these stories. They had this beautiful memorial that was there um, from from that battle, which was really cool. Um, so was that your first time in Poland, or were you in Poland before? Oh, it was actually my uh, fourth time. Wow. Got lots of family in Poland still for world, you mean fourth time uh, for World Youth Day. So first time I went to Poland was in 1994. I was four. I have very, very slight memories of that um, that get melded together with my other memories. Uh, 1998, and then 2005, and then 2016 for World Youth Day. Mm. 
What's your favorite thing from Poland? Oh, my favorite. I'm just going to pull up the chat here. I love Krakow. Krakow is probably my favorite city in the entire world. I, Krakow is so beautiful. The, the square, the Kostrum Mariański, the, the, the Marian church that's in the center square. Absolutely beautiful. Um, and then I love Zakopane as well, which is the, the mountain region in the south of Poland. And mm. that's where you know, John Paul II would go for his recreation as well. And uh, getting to see the, the, the beauty of the mountains over there, climbing the mountains, and the Polish food that goes along with it. It's, it's all one experience. Just the, the, the deep faith of Poland as well. That there are so many churches, and right now there are really two countries that you can truly call in, entirely Catholic. One's Poland, and the other's the Philippines. Mm. Because Poland is still holding on to their faith. It's getting a little bit Americanized, which I'm actually sad to see. There are a lot more shopping malls and things like that that have never been there before. Like Compared to, to uh, 2005 to 2016, when I there was a tremendous difference in just the landscape of Poland. It became so commercialized and it's slowly becoming a little bit more secular. Mm. But, uh, but the faith is still holding on very strong. You know, people are holding on to their traditions and to their faith. And you get to see the beauty of the churches there. So, still there. I couldn't believe the beauty of those churches uh, being over there. Our Lady of Czestochowa, uh, I forget what that site was called. That's right, Chestnut Yeah. Wow. That, that church was beautiful. St. Mary's in Krakow. Uh, wow. Just architecture that really rivaled stuff I was seeing over in Rome. I went to Rome in 07 and you know, we got to go tour a lot of just beautiful architectural gems mm -hmm. and a lot of wonderful churches. But the beauty that was put into, the beauty and care that was put into the churches in Poland was just wow, mind blowing. You just see this, this real craftsmanship, you know, put into their, their wood, their stone, and just focus on the Eucharist. And um, mm. loved it. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Definitely. Do you know what Częstochowa means? No. It means it often hides. And the reason why is Częstochowa is on Jasna Góra, which means bright hill. And so the, the actual place of the monastery is on a hill, but it's this hilly region of Poland. So as you're driving or as you're going towards Częstochowa, you see Jasna Góra, the bright hill, and all of a sudden you don't see it. So it often hides from you. Hmm. So that's where that name Częstochowa actually comes from. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Częstochowa is so beautiful. And that's the, the religious center of Poland, where everybody comes to uh, their queen, which is Our Lady. Mm. I remember as a kid driving by Our Lady of Czestochowa in Buffalo and just thinking, like, how in the world do you say that? What a goofy name. <laughs> Poles are silly. <laughs> you know, and I, I didn't know how to say it until we went to Poland and we were going to Czestochowa. Because the spelling of it looks nothing like how it's said. No. <laughs> <laughs> if, if nobody actually 
tells you how to do it, you're going to sit there and just. Yeah, we tried we tried as a family to play Scrabble or Bananagrams in Polish, but there were not enough Z's. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, um what else we got here? Poland, World Youth Day. Oh, World Youth Day. I love World Youth Day. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite things in this entire world. Uh, I've been to a few. Um, I've, uh, as a kid, we went, my whole family, we went for one day to uh, the World Youth Day in Toronto. We went for the final mass as a family, and that was awesome. And then the first one that I went, uh, I was all by myself, was 18. I was 18. And went to Sydney to Australia. That was that was gnarly. <laughs> First time I ever was in a country where they drove on the left side. When we were on the bus to a, going to our first destination, it was so weird. I thought we were gonna die. Yeah, I just did did not make sense to my American brain. <laughs> but World Youth Day in Australia was awesome. Probably the most well organized World Youth Day I've ever been. And uh, then I went to World Youth Day in Madrid, one of the least organized <laughs> World Youth Days I've ever been to, but also really special. And then, of course, the one in Poland. I didn't go to Rio, but I did go to the one in Poland. That's awesome. Yeah, I love World Youth Day. I went in '05 for Germany um, in Cologne. So we did a German Netherlands trip with that. Uh, that was my first time overseas, and it was it was so it was so good. Uh, really changed a lot of my faithfulness. You know, just seeing a lot of different uh, sites over there, different prayer experiences, seeing the church on a big scale. Uh, there was maybe a million and a half people there, and you know, you've got a whole week's worth of festivities leading up to that, that final mass, that big day. You know, you do this, this overnight out in the field, and we're out in a place called Marenfeld, and just millions of people around. But it got so cold at night. It, we were out there, and we had those, you know, those like uh, aluminum-looking emergency blankets. Oh, emergency blankets, yeah, yeah. You know, we're out there, and we're just freezing. And the Red Cross was out there handing out blankets. You know, they were just trying to get people warm. And we were we were frozen, but on the, the fringes of the field, you had these steak sandwich tents, you know, where people were just making the steak. They were the most unbelievable steak sandwiches ever, <laughs> <laughs> and they were like this big on this little roll. And so you're walking around with just a roll to grab the steak, and you're just eating the steak, walking around. Um, and they were everywhere. So you got to see the Pope. And just an incredible experience. Um, I did go back to Europe in 07 for a pilgrimage to Rome and CC. That was awesome. Uh, totally a, a different experience. And then in 16, we went to Poland. And I was thinking, well, you know, I've done a couple of trips to Europe already. I know kind of what to expect. I'm probably not going to get blown away. Uh, but we're here for the other ones, right? We're just going to walk through this and journey through this guy. 
but honestly, it, it blew me away in a way that I was not expecting. Um, and I, I got more out of that trip than I did any other trip. And Poland was just a wonderful spot. So now we're looking at World Youth Day for Portugal coming up in 2022 and getting excited for that. So been doing just some research on what companies to use and how much it's going to cost. But 2022 is coming along. World Youth Day. Yeah, for those, thinking about it. Yeah, start thinking about it because we're going to be talking more and more about it. Um, Portugal, looking at maybe some side trips on top of that. Spain, Italy, um, France, and that's going to be cool. There, there was a side trip to Poland too, but I'm like, eh, it's kind of a hard jog away from it is, Portugal. Yeah. It would be worth it. We had a month to play with, but you can only do so much. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be really cool and spiritually life changing. So if you guys are tuning in here, 2022, if you are over 18, we're going to make it happen. It's going to be so cool. Um, so if you're like, oh, I'm in high school now, but if you were going to be 18 then, sign up because it's going to be it's going to be awesome. You'll come and join us too, right? I would love to. I want to, <laughs> definitely. Um, I I'm excited that it's in Lisbon because Lisbon is one of the most beautiful port cities of Europe and uh, on the Atlantic coast, and so Lisbon is just absolutely beautiful. I spent a day there once, um, so but that didn't do it justice. So I'm excited about going back mm. and, and seeing the beauty of Portugal. And it's only a hop, skip, and jump away from Fatima and uh, getting to see that site. It's going to be a little crazy with all the pilgrims there, but it's going to be awesome. Um, that's all I really know about Portugal, Fatima and Lisbon. But it's, it's a beautiful country. I don't know anything about Portuguese food. I'm going to guess it's very Mediterranean-esque, like the other ones. I'm sure it's probably going to be very... really have to get mm. somebody that knows about Portuguese food. Because when my brother and I were there, it was pretty much uh, just what we'll eat what's there, you know, instead of trying to find the authentic Portuguese stuff. But one thing that we did have that was authentic was pastel de nada, which was, um, it was like this dessert that was this kind of crummy bread, sweet bread with like a really sweet jam in it. And it was mm. really, really good. Wow. You know, I haven't had lunch yet. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here <laughs> crushing down this stuff, trying to like be cool about it. Just be like, oh, I'm cool. I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> but it's all about celebrating that Easter joy, you know, the sweetness <laughs> of the risen Lord. Yes, the sweetness. Since being <laughs> off of Exodus 90, I just, I just want sugar. We got a Wegman's ultimate cheesecake. Oh, wow. It's unbelievable. It's one of the better cheesecakes that I've ever had. I, it's just so good. And I don't know if it's just because I'm coming off of Exodus and haven't had sugar. So diabetes. <laughs> I just have been <laughs> desiring it. And here we've got a bunch of sweets, and I'm just like. Wegmans, it's where it's at. Mm. They do so many good things. 
Maybe we can have some sponsors at some point. We'll get Wegmans on and we'll just talk about. Definitely. Yeah. We'll get Mr. Wegman on here. Yeah. From Rochester or wherever he's at. That'd be amazing. <laughs> this program brought to you by Wegmans. Wegmans cheesecake is amazing. Now on to the show. Uh, oh, we got we got a question here. Hmm. Okay. Allie says, a little off topic, but how was the remainder of Exodus 90 for you guys in the midst of COVID? And Allie said, I guess it's not off topic because you just brought it up bad. <laughs> so, nice. yes. That was pretty. It got harder. It got much harder. Um, because, number one, uh, so much of what our parish does um, socially is in the evening. We have a lot of me meetings in the evening. We've got a lot of programs that happen in the evening. And all of a sudden, those things were gone because we can't meet anymore. Um, and a lot of the meetings happen on Zoom and things like that. So all of a sudden, I, I, I mean, just felt, had a lot more time on my hands that I had to be a little bit more creative with. So it did get harder. Hmm. Um, for myself, it, it actually got better. Um, the first half of Exodus, I really kind of dragged through. Uh, just was kind of gritting my teeth a little bit on being back, especially with cold showers. Like it, it wasn't so bad kind of starting off, but it started wearing on me a bit. Uh, and I was just having a hard time getting into the game, you know? And I would, I would say it was harder than the past years of getting into the game. I was doing it, but reluctantly just thinking like, why am I doing this again? Um, but then about halfway through it, it just flipped and I just felt a, a good pouring of consolation through that. Um, especially as COVID really started coming on the scene, things started lightening up and this time of the year for us is just bonkers. It, it's just such a, a race to get through till May because May is kind of our, our ending point for youth ministry. To kind of refresh, kind of start planning it for the year. So, with all of that stuff off of the plate, I found myself pouring a lot more into prayer, um, and especially with um, my holy hours, it became much more fruitful. Because before that, I was struggling to get holy hours in, and I was um, it was like a, a holy five, a holy fifteen, a holy twenty. You know, and a lot of the times it was just kind of on the fly, like, all right, boss, I'll see you later. Good to see you, Lord, you know. But as soon as everything just froze, it freed up that time to get in there and be really intentional, um, especially as we were doing our holy hours on Instagram mm -hmm. of just saying, we're just going to turn to the Lord here. You know, we're just going to put, put the time in the prayer and... This is what we're going to do. And so all of a sudden, my, my holy hours became much more fuller, uh, much more filled with fruit. You know? and, and that really coasted all the way through the end of Exodus. So by the end of Exodus, I was feeling pretty good. I was ready to be done. Um, day 90, I, you know, Holy Saturday, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right, you know. Um, but... Day 91, it was definitely a, a time to celebrate. It felt really good on day 91. 
It's all right. You came through it. Right. it. It wasn't the story of how Adam just sucked it up and made it through Exodus on the third time. You know, just like, all right, I did it. But it was actually cool. So, I'm glad to hear that. totally different experience than the past couple of years. But I will say the, the um, COVID-19, it, it really brought a little bit more of a purpose to what we were doing as well. You know, the different things that we were sacrificing, it gave a little bit more to, to pray for and to offer things up for. So that was, that was really fruitful as well. Great question. Great question. So we have, um, we have a question here. From Mary Florence, is there a thing like that for girls? And Allie's answering this right now with Fiat 90. But yeah, Fiat 90 um, is kind of a women's version of this. Actually started by some of the, the women in the area. So mm -hmm. Lydia Zelinsky and some, actually, I don't know who's a part of that. Allie, are you a part of that? Teresa, are you guys a part Allie's of that? Allie's a part of it. Um, I celebrated the, their mass when they started. Or before they started, mm. there, yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of the young women that that are in the area are, are have been doing it, which is really awesome. When I did it the first year, I had a bunch of women coming up and asking me, "Where's the female version?" I'm like, "I can't run a female version." I'm like, "I don't even know if there is a female version." And there was a um, uh, there was another one. It wasn't Exodus 90, it was Nineveh, Nineveh 90. Mm -hmm. And that one, I think, was a little broader in scale for, for people, but kind of the same thing. And I think there was a couple of attempts to, to do a mixed group or a female version of that. I don't remember how that turned out. But the big question on the table was like, well, when is there going to be something for the women? So I can't design that. You know, I, I can't speak to the heart of a, uh, of a feminine heart. Women's heart. So, um, but there have been some great leaders in the area who really pulled that off. Yeah. And I'm curious to get their feedback too. Maybe we do a coffee talk with them to see how, yeah, that'd be great. how they did. Mm -hmm. uh, Allie, you hear that? We're going to have to bring you and Lydia on. We're going to do a little Fiat 90 version. So, uh, Veronica Grandi created it based off another Fiat 90 they found. Oh. So now we're getting some history here. Okay. All right. I like that. Cool. Well, I think we are just about out of time here. Um, we're at 42 minutes. We've been shooting for about the mid-40s for Coffee Talk, so we're just about wrapped up. Uh, anything else? Um, oh. Jesus Martvisto, Pravjivius Martvisto. That means, you know, Jesus is risen. He is truly risen. And so that's, uh, it's not only a Polish tradition, but it's a tradition among all languages to be, it's an Easter greeting. So that's something that I pass on. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And so may the sweetness of our Lord and Savior's uh, resurrection be there for you and your families too. I love it. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in with us. As I speak with my mouthful, that's probably a bad placement of timing. But thanks for tuning in for Coffee Talk today. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time. And um, tonight we have e which I should probably get 
some more word out there about it. But tune in for our young adult version of Amped online on YouTube, this channel. Come and tune in. It's going to be awesome. And we'll see you later. Thanks for And also, we have a Fiat coming up on Saturday. And mm -hmm. so you want to tune in. That's also going to be an E version. And so starting around 6.30 or 7. can't remember whether it's 6.30 or 7. Um, we're going to have uh, Fiat with adoration, music. Um, I believe Christy Tyne is going to be giving a presentation. Yes. Um, and so it's just going to be a beautiful event. Right. It's going to be the vigil of uh, Divine Mercy Sunday. Yes. So it's, it's a perfect thing for, oh. for you to log in on. No, we were talking about Poland this whole time. We didn't even mention Divine Mercy. Divine Mercy. Why, well, Yvniki and uh, Saint Sister Saint Faustina. Yeah. That's a conversation for another time because we could just go on for another. That's right. One of these days, you know, we're in the Divine Mercy Novena right now. Yeah. One of these days. Oh, you're right. Because you, you can't just stuff in Divine Mercy in a topic about Poland. There's too much to talk about with Poland. <laughs> too much. So we'll have to have just one about Divine Mercy. This week we'll be covering that, um, which is going to be great. So we'll make one of these <clears throat> Divine Mercy uh, conversation. So, guys, thanks a lot. Do you want to close us with a little blessing? Sure. name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for sending us your Son, Jesus, for him to suffer and die and then to rise again. We ask that we may be able to enter into that beautiful mystery of his resurrection. Lord, bring us closer to you during this Easter season. Bring us together as a church community in this time that we're physically separated, spiritually unite us, Lord. Lord, we ask for your blessing upon all those watching today that uh, you may give them your peace, joy, and love. And we ask this through your son's name, divine mercy, amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. And 7 o'clock tonight, Maddie, for E-Ant. 7 o'clock. And have a good one. Bye.